What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. Brox, how are we doing today? Uh, doing okay today. Tough, uh, tough loss for my Mets, but uh, only game one. Yeah, listen, recording on a Monday night, so we just kind of the loss is fresh in uh, Brox's mind. Poor for him. We'll get to poor, poor guy, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, joined also by another familiar voice, as you guys know. I do the football podcast, the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition, with my co-host Corey Lickman, and Corey Lickman's making his way to our baseball podcast. Corey, pleasure to have you again. Yeah, it feels good to be on the uh, the Diamond Edition. Thanks for having me. And yeah, let's talk some let's talk some baseball. Yeah, man, let's talk some baseball because opening weekend has concluded. Now we're starting our first full week of baseball. Like I said, we just really concluded our Monday edition. Man, a couple still um late games going, but uh, yeah, I'll start with you, Brock's first here. Any teams this past opening weekend that really opened your eyes? Well, my picks from last week aren't looking so hot after I picked the White Sox to go to the World Series, and they decide to lose three out of four to the Angels. Um, they didn't play awful, but I don't know. The Angels look pretty good. Uh, I was pretty surprised by their pitching, but uh, yeah, the White Sox kind of hurt me, you know, losing three out of four to, to Los Angeles. Yeah, listen, um, I think I was a little higher on the Angels than you. I, I'm kind of buying into this hype train. And, yeah, we'll definitely get to specifically that Sunday night game in a little bit. But, yeah, I liked what the Angels did this weekend from a standpoint. Obviously, winning three out of four is big for them. I'll go on kind of that same side of you as a team where that, like, disappointed me. I mean, you mentioned teams that we picked. I mean, we both had the Atlanta Braves winning the NL East going pretty far. I had them a little farther than you, but, I mean – Ugly sweep to Philadelphia, and the Phillies honestly look real good. Obviously, they just had that comeback win against the Mets. Another team who looked atrocious was the Oakland A's, lose oh. four series to the Houston Astros. And, I mean, now the Houston Astros are really – that was like – I know they had like that playoff series, I believe. Was there was there fans at the ALCS? No, right? It was just the what you want. It wasn't at the ALCS. So, I think that was actually the first time that the Astros have played in front of real fans. You would have thought that they would have yeah. gotten – like, it would have been real tough on them to boo them. So the A should even had a little bit more of an advantage. I know somebody got ran up and in on um, Houston. I, I, think it was Carlos. I think it was Craig. Good. Craig yeah. deserved. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, losing four games to the A's. What about you, Corey? Any, any team stick out to you this weekend? Yeah, you basically just said. I was going to say a team who should have a major chip on their shoulder right now. I was going to say the Houston Astros sweeping the Oakland A's. Outscoring them 35 to 9, just like in dominant fashion. And I'd like to tell they were doing it. Like Zach Granke and Lance McCullers right now, they're two, in my opinion, obviously the two best starting pitchers in that team. And then other guys in that team not going as far and letting the bullpen do the work. I know the A's struggling right now, currently down big to the Dodgers, but still, I was going to say, great showing from uh, the Astros start season 4 0. Yeah, man. And I'll. I'll stick it with like Oakland because I feel like Oakland was like one of those teams. That, I feel like they're just one of those teams that always seem to um, put games together and it, they really don't have these marquee names. But, yeah, they get the job done. I remember I don't remember exactly which game it was, but uh, they picked up a left-handed reliever this uh, offseason, Kolarek from uh, the Dodgers. I think he had like under a one ERA last year, more a left-handed specialist. I know he got um, raked the other day. I'm not yeah. – I give the home run. It was opening break. day. Opening, opening day, day got right? destroyed. It was Thursday night. Yep. He he got hit really well, and I mean I think that maybe um Liam Hendricks I know I don't know if Trevor Rosenthal is taking the mound yet but maybe Liam Hendricks is a uh, a little bit of a miss in the Oakland A's bullpen and uh, maybe we're wrong Brox that Houston can um 
he's still the team to beat in the AL West. I mean, the A's are definitely missing uh, Liam Hendricks, but I'm going to switch gears that Tony La Russa does not want to use Liam Hendricks. So many spots this weekend that the White Sox needed a, just needed an out. They need like a, a shutdown inning. Tony La Russa said no to the guy they, they paid over the offseason. So I know we're going we're going back to the Astros, but uh, I just got to bring up that Hendricks. He's missed by the A's, and apparently he's missed by his own team too. But uh, yeah, the Astros, man, they – they shut people up this weekend. They they look like the Astros of 2019. Um, the pitching's not all like fully there, but I mean they pitch pretty well. But we'll see what happens with them. I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm excited to see them uh, have a good season, but it looks like they uh, looks like they're they're back, which is kind of scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, man. Listen, lot lot of dogs in that lineup. I mean, obviously Correa yeah. still really good. Alex Bregman is one of the top players in the American League. Michael Brantley came back this offseason. He continues to hit. Guriel's all right. I, I, that's one guy who I absolutely despise in the Astros, Guriel. And Jose Altuve still plays real hard. I know he tagged up, too, on, like, that fly ball that barely gets out of the infield. So, I mean, that just goes to show you kind of a gamer uh, what he – um. Jordan like, Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, Jordan Alvarez back. Uh, I, honestly, I'm not sure if you watch him I'm not sure how he did this past weekend off the time I had. But, listen, that guy in 2019, I believe it was, was an absolute monster. So, if they could get that form back of him. It's dangerous. What you want? It's a dangerous lineup, still. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, that's definitely a dangerous lineup. I think last year, I expected them to be better than they were. They didn't really do that good. People are like, oh, they, they were just cheap. But nah, that lineup full of talented hitters. It's still a good team. Like I think they're still a powerhouse in the in the AL. So see how they do this year. Obviously, off to a good start. Yeah, listen, they showed it in the postseason. They might have, they lingered a little bit in the regular season, and then they go seven games with the Rays in the ALCS. But uh, moving on to a team that wasn't even didn't even sniff the postseason last year, and I don't think they're going to sniff the postseason this year because the Boston Red Sox, with I believe it's their worst start, their worst home start since 1948, they went 0-3 this past weekend, swept by the Baltimore Orioles. I oh. mean, are we surprised, man? The Red Sox just have absolutely no pitching. I know the third game Garrett Richards started, he got shelled. And, I mean, the Orioles, they did lose their first game today to the New York Yankees. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be – it might be a real tough year for the fans in Boston, which, I mean, crazy to think of two years ago they won the World Series and now kind of like where the falloff is. Or 2018, excuse me, they won the World Series. But, yeah, the falloff's been tough for them ever since uh, Mookie Betts left town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always tough when, uh, when you lose a game to Matt Harvey. Um, I love Matt Harvey. I really want him to do well this year, but – yeah, the Red Sox could not hit um, Warder if they fell on the boat last weekend. I think they they won tonight against the Rays 11-2. Um, but, yeah, it was a tough weekend for them. I mean, it's early, but you can tell that they just have absolutely zero pitching. And the guy they signed, they spent, I think, $10 million on Garrett Richards, and he was atrocious. So it's going to be a long year for Boston. Um, it looks like their, their bats are waking up. J.D. Martinez, I think, has two home runs maybe or something like that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's going to be another pretty bad year for the Red Sox, which obviously Payo's ecstatic about. <laughs> yeah, listen, Boston, um, you just don't like Boston at all. So I love to see them lose. And it, again, the Yankees specifically will play Boston and Baltimore a combined almost 40 times. I mean, those are games that now you just have to win because it doesn't look like they'll be anywhere near contention, but I want to switch gears, kind of go to something that. I'm not sure 100% of you guys saw, but I think it was, I mean, it was pretty bizarre. The Cody Bellinger, like, home run 
and then he gets called out at or it technically was screwed as like a single or something. You guys see the video of that? I actually didn't. I saw it. It was like, dude, like, like, Brock, Brock, take it away. I mean, I, I'm still confused. I don't, like, I don't know what happened. He got the single, like, before I even like say what happened, like, Bellinger, he got, he got a single, Evan. Right? What happened to Turner? Bellinger got a single, like, and I'm, I'm, I can't remember which, exact which one got off the bases. It was one of them. One of them was out on like. All right, then it had, had to be Turner then. One of them was out of in a second. I believe it was all Turner. Right. All right, so yeah, so Bellinger had a fly ball to left field. It looked like it was being out, and then I think it was Tapia on left field, hit off his glove, went over, so mm-hmm. home run, right? But Turner must have thought he was in a catcher, which, like, I guess, like, like obviously, like, you're watching the guy go back in the ball and camp under it. So then Bellinger, like, um, lapped him, like, or just went past him, which is, you can't do that in baseball. Your, your technique is supposed to be out. So then when it went over, I guess... I've, I've never seen that happen in my life, so I don't know what the ruling is, but I guess they give Bellinger a base. I, I don't know how that happens or what the ruling is in that, but it was it was just bizarre. Yeah, man. Listen, a, a bizarre play that – I mean, that kind of series with the Rockies and the Dodgers was pretty bizarre. I know um, yeah. the second game, Trevor, Trevor Bauer takes a no-hitter, I believe, into the seventh inning or the sixth inning. And then seven. they give up like four straight home seventh inning, and then he, they give up like four home runs in the inning. I know, Brox, you were probably pumped about that because Trevor Bauer bad right. history. But uh, how weird? How weird do you guys think it was too for like David Price on the Dodgers to come out of the bullpen in that game against the Rockies? Like, think about that. This guy's like David. David Price has probably won a Cy Young in this. If he hasn't, he's probably been a top five finalist multiple times. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. One of the best pitchers in the AL from probably 2011 to 20. 16 you could put in that thing got huge money from boston i mean one of the best pitchers in the sport in the 2010s and i mean now he's coming out of the bullpen for the dodgers so how, how do you think that makes like how do you think he feels like maybe his confidence hurt a little bit but i mean gotta be a weird situation for the guy i think it's a little weird of a situation but i mean at this stage of his career he's just not just not the pitcher he once was when this dude was mowing down guys on on the rays and the red sox so i mean it, it's a little humbling he's not that old but I think he, he's on probably the best team in the MLB. If he can make an impact out of the bullpen, I think it's still still a pretty pretty nice job, despite not being the, the top starting pitcher he once was. But I still think it's definitely significant role. Yeah, no, Brock's like, what, what do you think about David Price? Like, as a hitter, you come, you're coming up to bat in the seventh inning, you see David Price jogging out of the bullpen. You're worried that, like, he could have like, like about David Price coming out of the pen more that if he was starting more than if he was starting, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, as a, from the hitter's perspective, yeah. I mean, you're coming in against a guy who won the AL Cy Young in 2012 and took a year off of baseball. So he's a fresh arm. Um, yeah, I would be pretty intimidated, especially as a lefty because the guy doesn't know that hard anymore, but he has great stuff. Um, and I think on price, I think I know my place in the team. Now he got traded to a new team in the Dodgers. Um, he opted out his first year, so I think him in the bullpen like shouldn't hurt his confidence. Guy, guy had playoff troubles his whole career, and then he overcame it, winning the World Series in 2018 with the Red Sox. So I think that him like coming to the Dodgers from out of pen is a good thing. I think he can show all those young pitchers they have, and like Goslin and Yuri is like how you can come out of the pen and be effective, and then you can make a spot start every now and then. You can make a spot start and then become a, a consistent um, starter. So. I think it's a good thing for him and the Dodgers, and I think it's 
just makes them even a scarier team, which I don't know how you can do that, but it's uh it's pretty unbelievable to have a, that kind of talent yeah. in the bullpen. Yeah, man, it's crazy to think that if the Dodgers, I think we said this last episode too, that if they have some injuries, I mean, you could back up those guys with David Price and Tony Gonsolin. I think Tony Gonsolin's actually hurt right now, but I mean, yeah. that's unbelievable to have those guys as your sixth and seventh best arms. But yeah, you kind of alluded to the Dodgers rotation, how stacked they really are. I mean, Julio Arias looks like he picked up right where he left off this past postseason. I know in the postseason, he was pitching a lot of high leverage situations for them. He throws a gem on, I believe it was Saturday he pitched. I believe he pitched, or maybe it was Sunday. Not 100% sure. He probably pitched Sunday because it was the fourth game. Walker Bueller pitched the third game. But uh, yeah, so the Dodgers had a good weekend too. Uh, one team I want to mention that had a great weekend. I mentioned the Atlanta Braves lost three games. Philadelphia Phillies win three straight games. And then they go and have a comeback win tonight against the Mets. Uh, but are there any any teams, guys, that we missed out on that had a great weekend or maybe you want to spend a little bit more time on or we'll kind of go with covering that? I think, I mean, we cover, did we cover, cover the Angels a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, the Angels have a great weekend against against the White Sox. And I think the, the Minnesota Twins had a pretty solid weekend and today put on an absolute offensive clinic against the Tigers. But I don't know. You, I want to talk about – how this guy Nelson Cruz is, I don't know. I know he probably, he was on like steroids, but this guy is one of the best hitters of this decade, man. This guy puts up 30 plus home runs a year with like solid, solid batting average. And every time I'm seeing this guy, he's 40 years old now. He's an absolute nukes. I just think Nelson Cruz definitely needs more, more love. I just think the guy is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, listen, Nelson Cruz is, like you say, kind of maybe he's a little underappreciated. Obviously, he did have that steroid incident. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the guy today, I don't know if you saw, he hits like a, a foul home run, and then he follows it up right away with going deep on, I don't know if it was the next pitch, but it was the same at that. I mean, unbelievable, definitely a staple in the middle of the Minnesota Twins lineup. And, yeah, Twins can hit with the best of them as shown today. I mean, I know it's the Detroit Tigers, but they scored a plethora of runs tonight. But uh, moving on to uh, kind of our – well, after um, into every episode, we'll kind of shout out some players who we thought played real well this past weekend. I'll start it off. Uh, one of my top performers of this past weekend was the guy uh, Yerman Mercedes on the Chicago White Sox. I mean, first MLB player since like 1903, I believe, or something, or first player something. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm sorry, that's what you will call it. Not not a not a great look, but uh, starts eight for eight. I mean, unbelievable hitting the ball. I mean, the Chicago White Sox don't need another really bat in their lineup. I know they did lose Aloy Jimenez, but I mean, now they have Yerman Mercedes and Andrew Vaughn, like kind of platooning at that DH spot. I mean, it's just another example of like the rich getting richer because if this guy can become a solid staple in the Chicago White Sox lineup, I mean, that's a team that probably will score one of be a top five scoring team in the MLB, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you hear a guy goes eight for eight, his first eight, was it his first eight at bats in the big leagues, right? Oh, yeah. I think it was just his first eight at-bats this season. Oh, this I think, season. He, I think he, okay. had like a, he had like a couple at-bats last year, but nothing like crazy. Okay, so if you hear a guy goes eight for eight, you expect at least that team to win probably two or three games. Um, of course, the White Sox did not because I picked him to be in the World Series. But no, that's I, uh, I actually saw this guy on Instagram like a month ago, and I was watching his spring training highlights. I'm like, oh, this guy's a good swing whenever, and I didn't know if he was making the team or not. But uh, yeah, no, that's eight for eight's that's uh that's insane i couldn't imagine guys going like 
five for five in a game. And then the guy, he went five for five his first game. And then three more hits after that. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, another guy I want to touch up on, too, is Nick Castellanos. I know he has more uh, a little more history from last weekend. But I, the guy it's just keeps hitting nukes, man. This guy left Detroit, um, came to the Reds. Oh, yeah, he came to the Reds. And where was he before the Reds? Castellanos. Chicago. They had a, the Cubs. They traded him at the deadline. Yeah. Like in Chicago. He went to the Cubs, signed with the Reds, and he just keeps hitting nukes, man. I know he had a little incident over the weekend with the Cardinals, but this guy, he's starting to become a, a really good hitter, man, a really good player in this league. Um, I know he's on a, a tough team with the Reds who are, aren't looking too, uh, too great right now, but I think Cassiano deserves a little love from last weekend too. Yeah, look, we'll definitely talk about Castellanos. Definitely uh, a guy who's been intriguing. Been in a couple interesting baseball moments before with announcers. But uh, another guy <laughs> who I want to touch touch on before I move it to Corey, um, Zach Wheeler looked phenomenal yeah. in the Philly second game this yeah, past we- weekend. Seven innings, one run, ten strikeouts against one of the best lineups in the National League. Uh, it seems like the Phillies really bet on his potential when they paid him five years, $120-plus million dollars. And listen, last year he was real good. I think him and Aaron Nola won two in a rotation. is real nasty. So um, maybe – and listen, the Phillies are off to a good start. Maybe those two can carry their rotation. I don't really love the Phillies back end of the rotation. But listen, who knows? Maybe they could piece it together. And in a playoff series, seeing Nola and Wheeler back-to-back games is definitely tough. Core, what about you? Who do you, you want to shout anybody out this past weekend? Hey, yo, man, you honestly took the name right out of my mouth. I was really about to shout out Zach Wheeler. So I'm, I'm going to just build on that. Yeah, Zach Wheeler got the absolute bag from the Phillies at, um, from the New York Mets. And, yeah, this guy coming off a, a good season last year in a, uh, a pretty shortened season with an ERA under three. I think, yeah, if the Phillies want to want to be want to compete in NL and be one of the um, top teams in NL East in that really strong division, I think, yeah, Nola and Zach Wheeler is going to have to to pitch, like, the potential we all know he has. Like, on the Mets, he was a very big second half of the season. Yeah. He pitched, like, ZRA would be, like, over four in the first, and he'd come out in the second half absolutely bulling, and he'd get down to, like, in the mid-threes. But I think, yeah, for the Phillies this year, if he can continue, obviously he's not going to pitch like this every time. But, yeah, 10 strikeouts against the Braves, one of the best lineups in the MLB. I think it's very impressive, and if he could, uh, yeah, if he could be a legit number two starter behind Aaron Nola, that that's a that's a pretty scary team, the Phillies. So yeah, Zach Wheeler, definitely a guy I wanted to shout out. I mean, I shouted him out earlier. Nelson Cruz, obviously another guy, but yeah, Wheeler was my main guy. A lot of, but there are definitely a lot of guys this weekend who, who balled out. Of course, the yeah. week after I uh, I tell I say that Zach Wheeler is not going to have a good year because he's not consistent. He puts up a Seven, seven innings, ten strikeouts, one run against the top team in the NL. So thanks, Zach, again for, for hurting my feelings. <laughs> Zach, Zach Wheeler and Mets fans, just tons of disappointment. I mean, yeah, it's gotta suck too because it seems like, like the Mets are so high on Zach Wheeler, and it's not like he get like he's just too inconsistent with them. Then he goes to a division rival, and then has to um kind of show up really for them. But I think an, another guy who we can all agree on had a phenomenal weekend was Shohei Otani. I mean, Shohei Otani becomes the first pitcher in over 100 years to hit second in a game. First, he throws 101 miles an hour on the mound in the top half of the inning. And then in the bottom half of the inning, I, I listen, ESPN 
whatever they do with their microphones behind the home plate and their sound system is phenomenal because the sound that was picked up on my TV when Shohei Otani hit that ball, I mean, unbelievable. Ball goes out at 115 miles an hour, an absolute nuke off Dylan Cease. And yeah, listen, the guy is just one of the most exciting and polarizing players in baseball. Uh, Shohei Sundays, kind of like that thing in Japan. Like, I believe he pitched on every Sunday in Japan too. So, I mean, I kind of I like that. I think it was pretty cool on Sunday night how you had the Shohei Otani primetime game. And listen, I mean, it really was the Shohei show. Yeah, Shohei. Yeah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty ashamed. I didn't see that home run live. I had to hear this Payo guy text me about it. And even my dad's texting me about Shohei Otani. I'm like, yeah, this, this home run must have been an absolute nuke. When I saw that, yeah, the sound off the bat, like you said, ESPN does a great job. That, sh- that was just absolutely cranked. And to throw 101 in the top half of the inning and hit a nuke like that, that's just, that's just not fair. I mean, I, this Angels team, really fun to watch. Mike Trout, the top of the lineup. You know Anthony Rendon's going to get going. Otani. Just Otani on the mound, I think his stuff is absolutely ridiculous. I just think, like even yesterday, the White Sox had no business being in that game. It was just Otani in that, in that fifth inning kind of got a little out of control. Little um, balls thrown behind, like the first baseman, Walsh, going behind him. Just the White Sox had no business being in that game, but Otani, if he could, if he could maintain his control and not have like innings like that, I think, I don't know. He he's just he's he's Showtime in baseball, yeah. No, it definitely is, man. I mean, like you kind of said, I mean, I thought that was a pretty eventful like Sunday night baseball game. I mean, obviously Shohei Otani hits that home run early, then you get uh, Jared Walsh hitting a home run. Uh, his first home run, and then you have that fifth inning where it's like it was unbelievable. Where um, actually, I think Walsh hit the home run after this, but the fifth inning, like the White Sox had absolutely no business scoring a run. I mean, you get that drop third strike from the catcher, then you get that collision kind of at the plate. Hopefully, Shohei Otani's okay, but then Jared Walsh walk off home run in the end that's set up because Rosella Iglesias also overthrows somebody at third base on a ground ball back to him. I thought it was just like, listen, Sunday baseball sometimes may not be. The most enjoyable sport to watch. Maybe doesn't get the viewership, but I mean, you keep putting games on that, like Sunday on Sunday Night Baseball, like that. I feel like engagement and uh, like viewers. I mean, it's exciting to watch, man. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I hate watching games on ESPN because of the commentary. Like, I don't love that version that he always has, like Buster only with him. Of course, he's a Rod, so I don't like a Rod at all. Um, but no, they do a good job though, like making baseball like more enjoyable. Like obviously, I can watch any baseball game, but uh, I just think that uh, like what they do with the with Otani's home run, like they must crank up the sound because every time a ball, a ball is hit in any ESPN game, it sounds like it's going 550, and that ball went about four what 470. So yeah, no, they uh, they do a good job producing good Sunday night games, and that was definitely an eventful one, which which is a good one to cap off. Um, the opening weekend, definitely. What, what do you guys think about Joe Madden, too, trying to get Shohei Otani, his boy, the win? Because it seemed like in that fifth inning, he was kind of laboring a little bit. I know he then pitches to, like, Abreu, and then he leaves him in then because he walks Abreu, then pitches to Moncada, and he really, really tried to get him that win. What do you, what do you think that says is, like, from, like, a player standpoint, like, seeing him, their manager, try to, like, do everything in their power to get their player a win? Personally... I liked it. 
A Rod and Vince Vince Kershaw were just like making it seem like this is Otani's last last batter. It was pretty funny. They just kept showing Joe Madden, and this guy Madden (laughs) wouldn't budge. So yeah, I liked it having the confidence in his in his guy, letting him go get that. It was kind of obviously this was a lot different, but kind of similar when Terry Collins let Matt Harvey keep going. World Series, I hate to bring it up. It's obviously a lot different. That's in the World Series at the beginning. But, yeah, uh, he let Harvey go a little deeper. Obviously didn't. You know what? I got to get off that topic. It's just gonna, yeah, it's no, gonna Core, it's not looking good. I don't like not, that. Trying to get a comparison going, but not not going to work. But, yeah, I like <laughs> I'm just gonna say, yeah, I liked how uh, Matt had confidence in this guy despite not getting out of the fifth inning. I think that does a lot for a pitcher like Otani. Like, yeah, my, my manager has uh, confidence in me that – that could, I think that could go a long way for, for a player like him. What about, what about the final excursion call? The, he went to Jared. Did you guys see that? No. <laughs> Wait. Because like, I, I was in Jared Walsh. So he's like, he's like, and Walsh drives one, and it's gone. He's like, he went to Jared. Vaskirjian is like, I, I like don't hate Vaskirjian. I know Brock's like, say he didn't love him. And I, I don't love Vaskirjian, but uh, he does have some funny calls. Like, I think definitely a couple years ago, too, when – David Bodie hit that grand slam. Oh, that, was, like, that was a good call. That was a good call. Like, yeah, like like some some of Vasquez's um Vasquez's called the one two against the, the Yankees, uh when Lindor hit the the home run off Chad Green. It's oh. like Lindor swinging a drive, and it's but listen, I I don't hate Vasquez. I I love A Rod. I'm sick of the A Rod slander. I love A Rod from the call. I think it's obviously A Rod was one of those guys who I never thought would leave baseball once he retired. So, yeah, I love, I love seeing A-Rod around. He's an absolute jokester. Hopefully, A-Rod figures out uh, his situation with J-Lo. But, uh, yeah, good for A-Rod. I, I like A-Rod on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, I hate to slander, but just not a big fan of Jessica Mendoza. But, you know, I'm not going to bring this as the, the topic here. But, yeah, if we were talking I, about – I have issues with that, with Mendoza and A-Rod. Besides the fact, like – when they do an ESPN game and it's it's not even about like they don't even comment on the game man they could talk about like dumb stuff I, I watched the game like where they were like analyzing Bryce Harper's like I have something about his bat for like three innings I'm like I'm trying to watch a game here but the worst is more that's not like that's secondary to this but when A-Rod tried to buy the Mets last year um and he's on like ESPN Sunday night why is he on there if he's trying to buy a professional team Jessica Mendoza um was hired by the Mets two years ago why is she commenting on a Mets game when she works for the organization? Then she was let go because people were saying, like, well, she shouldn't be doing this right now because she literally works for the Mets. She shouldn't be commenting anything positive or negative, anything about them during a game. Um, so, yeah, I don't love ESPN for those reasons. Like, I feel like sometimes they're kind of like they're biased and stuff. I mean, obviously, as a Mets fan, I think everything's biased against the Mets because nothing goes good for them. But yeah, I just don't love A-Rod and Mendoza. But they just uh, they just rub me the wrong way every Sunday night. Now listen, that is something too. I feel like in other sports, I know a couple of, a couple of days ago now with the Final Four, Jim Nance is a Houston alum, and he has to announce the Houston versus Baylor game. Like definitely difficult on him to kind of give a um like a even standpoint because I mean the guy's probably punk for Houston in that situation. So, but I thought I think he does a great job with that. And one guy who does a great job with like the biases, uh, Kirk Herbstreet with college football i mean he's from ohio state and i remember the game that he did the ohio state clemson game uh his sons go to clemson too 
So, I mean, the guy, I mean, maybe maybe he can't choose a side because he actually literally in the, inside him can't choose a side. He's like, oh, do I go with my alma mater or where my kids currently go? But, yeah, so I think that's maybe a line that announcers have to, like, trickle a little bit. But, uh, yeah, definitely was tough on Jessica Mendoza. I know now it's really just Vascursion and A-Rod. But, uh, yeah, I know for really Sunday Night Baseball talk, listen, like we kind of said, I think we can include that Sunday Night Baseball, these exciting games are good for the sport, and we kind of need more of them to kind of draw in more of the marginal viewers in baseball because I think that's just one of the problems that's become with baseball that people are like, oh, I don't want to sit on my couch and just watch three hours of baseball and just like for like a little bit of action. But, I mean, you see Shohei Otani hitting and pitching. That's definitely a guy who um will get anybody's eye on because, I mean, it's just unbelievable what this guy can do. It's revolutionary, really, in the sport of baseball. We haven't seen something like that in forever. So I hope Otani continues his dominance both at the plate and on the mound, I thought it was pretty cool, too. How they let This was the first time that they let him hit during a game. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Like they, I feel like they were making it a lot bigger of a deal than it was, maybe because he was hitting second. But, like, listen, if he was in the National League, he would hit every day that he pitches. So I don't think it's that weird that he has to pitch on a day that he hits. But that's for another uh, story. But moving on to kind of probably the most eventful thing, I think, from this past weekend, the Nick Castellanos. Uh, bench clearing brawl that was caused in the Reds Cardinals series. Uh, what, do, what do you guys? Th- first of all, what do you guys think of bench clearing brawls? You like them or you hate them? Oh, I mean, I don't know how you can hate them when it's not your own team. Honestly, like I don't want to see Lindor go into a fight against I don't know some giant relief pitcher. Um, you know, like I this one <laughs> I'm that just sorry, happened. Lindor getting snuffed by Amir Garrett. No, 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 I get that's I don't want to see that happening. I don't want to see like the ground going in there and his arm falling off. Um no, like I I like him for the right reason. What just happened was dumb. That what it, what Castellanos did when he got hit by a pitch, nothing happened. He looked at Molina, said like they were fine, whatever. And he comes home, he slides home hard. Um when the pitcher's there, I mean he's not trying to he's just trying to score, and he gets up and he screams, let's effing go, which that's normal. The guys ought to react, rather celebrate. It happens in the NBA all the time. They, like when uh, what's it called? Allen Iverson stepped over Tyron Lue. Great. Like they do it all the time. And then that causes a brawl. Like what are you doing? Crossing the line of sportsmanship? No, the guy's celebrating. I mean, yeah, it's in his face, but you know what? Learn how to throw a ball, man. You're a pitcher. Throw into his glove. I don't think that deserved a uh, a bench clearing brawl, but I mean. Yeah, I don't think both sides should have cleared the bench on that one. It was all right on both sides, in my opinion. Like, yeah, Castellanos got hit, and he got – and then he rounded the bases, scored, slid into home, and was barking in the, in the pitcher's face. And I, I don't have a problem with Yadier Molina, like, kind of getting in Castellanos' face. Like, that's baseball. Like, you got to back up your own players, stuff like that. I just don't think it deserved it, – it, it was a reasonable thing for the benches to clear like that. But overall, if a, if a guy gets plunked and like guys are getting plunked back and forth, I, I kind of like benches brawling. Cause I mean, it's just, I like to see guys back up their own teammates and stuff like that. So I don't think this deserved it, but overall I think they're pretty cool. Yeah. Listen, it's the competitive nature of the sport. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we like to see, like the guy showing some energy and showing some passion for their teammates, backing up their teammates. But yeah, I, don't, I really don't see why Castellanos gets expect. He got suspended two games. He's appealing. Games. I don't know why he gets suspended Stupid. two games. I think that's. I think that is disgusting. I mean, Terrible. listen. First of all, 
I don't even really think he pimped the first home. He had a home run game one. I don't. I guess that's why they hit him. He didn't really even pimp it that bad. Like it's not like he stood there like the Tim Anderson bat when he threw the bat. Like it was not that bad. Then he gets a ball up and in on him. They and listen, he comes around to score. He slides. He's pumped up, man. He just scored a run in a game, trying to help his team win. I think maybe. He stood over him a little bit. Maybe not the best thing. But listen, guy's excited. You can't tell him to be competitive. So, yeah, Castellanos listen, respond, re- responded real well. He's hit a home run in the last two games. But, yeah, I don't really love the idea of him getting suspended for that. What do you guys think? Let's start with Corey first. Yeah, overall, that's just – I think that's kind of soft. I don't think he deserves a suspension for that. I mean, yeah, maybe let the his emotions get the best of him. But, yeah, that just does not deserve a suspension. He – guy didn't hurt anybody he didn't he didn't really disrespect anybody he was just hammed up yeah that definitely uh, yeah i don't think that deserves any type of suspension yeah i actually in agreement yeah no i'm definitely in agreement i once i saw they came out that he got suspended two games i my first thing i said i'm like appeal then it said like right below it oh he's appealing it already which which he played tonight obviously um that's bs that's that's terrible i don't know how you can suspend a guy for it for screaming let's after and go for celebrating a run being scored and then I mean yeah I guess he sparked a brawl but come on I think it's that's so soft on the part of the MLB and which is a which is not a good thing for the sport because people are complaining about baseball how it's getting it's boring how it's games are too long and stuff so like stuff like this just makes that worse makes it 10 times worse that's what uh, pissing me off with this yeah I'm 100% in agreement I think we kind of just spoke about it on that lead segment too. But yeah, like when stuff like this happens, it just hurts like that. It just keeps feeding into that narrative that, yeah, oh, baseball is boring. Oh, they're trying to take the fun out of baseball. Like, listen, I don't think we want guys throwing haymakers left and right at people or sliding, sliding hard into people. But like, look, if the competitive juices flow a little bit, like let it happen. And cause it's like, it's all real and stuff. And just like, it's just pure passion. That's what fans want to see. No fan wants to – like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think a lot of fans want to see a guy go 0 for 3 and just, like, be smiling and all happy about that. Like, sometimes a fan likes to see when a player goes 0 for 3 and snaps the bat over his leg because, look, at least he's getting a little pissed off about it. You know what I mean? Like, at least it's not like – you could tell that, like, maybe it's not good for sometimes for a player to completely show all your emotions. But, like, you shouldn't just be, like, immune to the fact that, like, maybe you're not playing as well as you are. So, yeah, I think maybe – the bench clearing brawls, like, like kind of like they, they, they have to run a fine line with them. Like I said, cause you got to look out for player safety, but uh, it's kind of something I want to mention. I think this might be pretty funny. If you guys had to choose one player right now in the MLB, we'll start with Brock's first. Who would it be that, who would you want on this, on your side of a bench clearing, a benches clearing brawl? Um, on a bench clearing brawl. Um, uh. There's so many guys I can choose. Like, I'm not going to choose the guy on the Mets. That's too easy. I would have to go. I mean, you already said his name, but since he went, he played basketball at St. John's. I mean, he's been in a lot of them, too. I would go to Mir Garrett. The guy is an animal. Guys, you know what? He's a competitor. And when he's in the game, man, he's in, he's in the game. I saw him. I think it was a game against the Cubs where he just, I think he struck out the side or something. I don't know what he did. And he looked in the Cubs bench. He's just screaming at them like, I love his emotion. I, If he was in a brawl, man, like he was in the Derek Dietrich brawl like two years ago. He was going crazy with Puig, I remember. Um, so, yeah, I would love to have him in a brawl. Like I would be I'd be behind him just like looking like, oh, like 
just how fight him, whatever. Like that'd be that'd be so funny to fight with the new guy. Well, do you remember when Amir Garrett? Like I think he gave up a home run or something like the ninth inning, and like somebody was chirping him at the Pirates dugout, and he just started running over there by himself. He yes, yes, that, yeah. All right, maybe I should choose someone else because this guy's a—he's a seasoned vet with the. <laughs> with, with I mean, listen, the MLB—if the MLB starts a fight club, Amir Garrett definitely the figurehead of the fight club. If you ask me, no doubt yeah. about it. Core, who are you going? With? Who who are you going with to battle in the patches clearing? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with another big guy. He's, he's kind of more laid back, but like, dude, I don't—I don't really want to mess with this guy. I'm going to go with the role of this Chapman, like, 6'4", dude. He's not as, like, he's not, like, as aggressive as as Amir Garrett. But, dude, this guy is a pretty intimidating guy. Like, yeah, he'll give you a smile once in a while after he gives up a home run. But, like, dude, this oh, guy's staring at me. I, I mean, I don't want any Wait. Wait. You're saying he's laid back. This guy threw a fastball at Mike Versau's head. Okay, yeah, nah, nah, This nah, guy's not laid back. This guy's a psycho. I'm and talking he's about terrible now. He just looks like a laid back type of guy. But yeah, throwing. Nah, a- I, I don't know, man. His history is not showing his laid back. I don't know why I'm calling him that. Listen, listen, listen. I'll listen. Aroldis Chapman, a guy who you'd love to have in your bullpen. The Mets would live. Have a closer yeah, like a roller I, I wouldn't mind would, having him, but he's also not a laid back guy. Let's get the fine line there. <laughs> I'd love to go into battle and a bench is going brawl with. And I feel like it's because, yeah, I feel like a roll this Chapman, like, he has a little bit of a temper to him, and I think his history would show that. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see Chapman give a nice little left hook to Bersal, but uh, listen, Bersal got the Best lap of him, I think. One, I have one dark horse. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's still in the league. Jeff Samarja. Is he still? Yeah, he's still in the Jeff Giants, Samarja, right? Former, yes. For, I don't, I'm not former a former Notre Dame football player. Yes. Yeah, Samarja. You know why? Definitely not afraid to throw it, throw it in down. In the Bryce Harper brawl, when Strickland threw at Harper and they had the brawl, Samarja ran the field and he collided with Mike Morse. So Mike Morse is probably three he inches taller than Samarja. He can custom. That's how. <laughs> That's how strong this guy is. He can custom by running into him, his own player. So I would say Jeff Samar would be on my team too, even though he's a little older. That's also another sleeper pick. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody real good right now. I mean, like, Luke Voigt is a little too laid back, if you ask me. But Luke Voigt looks like somebody who should be wearing number 55 on the New York Giants and filling the seat. <laughs> And taking on a fullback. Like, Luke Voigt just doesn't look like a baseball. Like, Luke Voigt, I feel like, could really throw it down with some people. That'd be a guy. And also, the guy on the Angels. I think it's Aaron Siegler is his name. He, he used to be on the race. Guy's 6'10", all right? If you're 6'10", I'll take oh you on my You come out the battle with me. But, uh, yeah. All right. So now, so now I'll go to this. I, what, what do you think the most feared team is in the league? I think a couple years ago. It was definitely the Reds when you had Amir Garrett and you had Yasiel Puig on that team. But what team do you not want to see in a bench is clearing ball because they might get pummeled? Uh, I don't know what you can say. Like, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's a tough question on the spot. Like, you have to think of like a big team. Like, I don't know. I would actually, you know what? I'm going to go with my sleeper pick with the Kansas City Royals. I feel like you got guys like Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler, 
Salvador Perez. You got some big guys in that team. That would just – I don't know. I feel like that would just be a good team to, to fight. I don't know. Honestly, it was not bad. I was thinking I was thinking in the Central, too. I was thinking maybe the Detroit Tigers. And simply because, I mean, Miguel Cabrera has shown that. I mean, now they're teammates, too, Miguel Cabrera and Austin Romine. I mean, Miguel yeah. Cabrera and Austin Romine, not afraid to throw hands with each other. So, uh, uh, yeah, they, I think the Detroit Tigers might be able to throw it around. What about you, Corey? See, the Yankees are such an obvious pick. But, I mean, you got Chapman, Judge. I mean, Judge is such a nice guy, but big dude. Judge Stanton, big boy Gary Sanchez. Like, you just got big guys on that team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I'm taking the Yankees. It's kind of tough on, on the spot. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty simple pick. But, yeah, I think the Yankees, they got some big guys on that team. Everyone's so, like, you say everyone's a laid-back guy. If you see Aaron Judge come after you, I don't know if this guy's a laid-back guy, man. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say laid back. I said he's a nice guy. Nice guy? Hey, you never know. Corey loves his Yankees all of a sudden. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Lance McCullers runs a fastball high and in on Glaber Torres. Uh, I don't know if Aaron Judge is going to be too thrilled about that running out to the yeah. mound. But listen, I thought it was just a funny hypothetical to throw up. I think definitely might get a little chuckled. Definitely something uh, to think about a little bit, but uh, who knows? Like I said, we're not really getting into benches clearing brawls every other day. So teams really don't need to worry about that. But if teams did need to worry about that, I think a player that they'd have to go get, Rujneto Dor. Definitely a guy not afraid to throw a haymaker oh, here or there. Boy. Because, I mean, he, got not, not on the, he, got, he did get DFA'd, unfortunately. I don't know why the Texas Rangers DFA'd him. Because think about it. Like, if you're getting DFA'd by the Texas Rangers at this point, I mean, I'm sorry, dude. That's pretty low. That's, that's dudes who are down bad. I love I, yeah. I like Odor as a player, but I mean that's a t- that's a tough one for the guy to swallow. Nah, that dude was hitting like under two hundred. But man, that guy under six foot, but just was not afraid to throw that uppercut to Joey Bats. <laughs> maybe a little bit of a cheap shot, but yeah, he struck him clean. But yeah, Odor, some team might have to go pick that guy up just for uh, bench clearing purposes only yeah him and uh what's his name dietrich too dietrich is right now technically in the yankees minor league system but that is another guy who is an absolute bull that guy is yoked man he was part of the cincinnati red team the reds were building a fight club in front of our face and we just avoided it and to instigate to that they had trevor bauer who's probably the most punchable guy in the mlb so i mean <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really, it doesn't really help, you know. I mean, we throw all those factors in. Yeah, I, mean, I would clock Turbo in the face if I saw him, but that's just me. Turbo, <laughs> one of the most hockeyest players, just yeah. Yeah, guy. no, he uh, he had six strong innings, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy really is gonna. I mean, he was facing the Rockies, so I'm like, all right, whatever, playing the Rockies, and then the seventh inning, he's getting lit up. I don't know if he had like what three or four runs in the seventh inning, so. Four his, runs, I believe, was his five point nine two ERA. Is that worth a hundred million? No, no, I'm kidding. One star, but I hope he does terrible. Yeah, I hope he does bad. <laughs> yeah, what he did to the Mets. I mean, like if you watch like a couple like the interview, it said he really wasn't his fault, which kind of stinks because they're like he doesn't have the most likable persona. And then when you, you combined in some something like that, it just made it ten times worse. Yep. But I think one last thing that we'll, we'll wrap on quickly, if uh, unless anybody else has anything to talk about. Uh, just recently, 
I don't even think their game is concluded yet, but Fernando Tatis left the game early against the, I believe they're playing the San Francisco Giants, playing San Francisco Giants yep. tonight. Uh, he kind of struck out and kind of swung, uh, swung. I'm not 100% sure. They said it was his forearm, but in the video, it looked like his shoulder. I know, Brox, you kind of touched more about it on like kind of like the Conforto thing. Like, in, What was your instant reaction when you saw that video? Yeah, no, whenever you get injured on a swing, it's never good. Um, it reminded me what you said, the Michael Conforto um, in 2017. He was having a really good year, breakout year, honestly. And he swung through a, uh, a high fastball and just he like lost control of his left arm. And then he dislocated his shoulder, I think. He tore something in his shoulder. I don't know. And when I saw that happen to Tatis and I knew it wasn't good. And yeah, they said form, but looking at the video, um, they said, oh, he was holding his forearm, but yeah, maybe he's trying to hold his arm up. So it didn't look good. I, I honestly, I hope, I hope for the best for him. He's a great player and he's an exciting player, but it, it didn't look great. Um, nothing came out yet from the Padres. Probably won't know anything from, at least for another day or two. Um, but it, it didn't look good from my, uh, from my perspective. Yeah. I mean, man, we, we, I feel like we've been talking a lot about making baseball fun again. I feel like there's no better cover boy for that than Fernando Tatis and how he's been playing the game the past couple of years, because it would be a real shame for him to be out for any extended period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, Fernando Tatis, definitely one of the game's brightest young stars and not even youngest stars, just like one of the game's brightest stars in general. And yeah, you definitely, you definitely really hope this is not a major injury, but yeah, an injury like that, definitely what Brock said, definitely, Michael Conforto comes to mind where he, like, tore his whole shoulder. So, yeah, you definitely hope it's a minor injury. Hope he's somehow back on the field relatively soon because he's one of those guys that the game – he's he's still really young, but you could tell, like, he's going to be one of those guys that the game's a lot better when, when he's when he's on the field. So, hopefully he's all good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh Hope Fernando Tatis, hope for the best. Hopefully it's something that doesn't keep him out for an extended period of time. And obviously the Padres hope that too because he is their heart of their order. As good as the Padres are, I mean, that engine goes with Fernando Tatis. But anything else you guys kind of want to touch on before we wrap up this episode? Um, I just hope uh, Marcus Stroman's first start in almost two years tomorrow goes well, considering I'll be in attendance in Philadelphia. So uh, hopefully the Mets can pull one out tomorrow or I will be not looking good. To say the yeah, least. listen, we got, we got our, we got uh, our boots on the ground at Citizen Bank Park tomorrow. Maybe, maybe check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. We'll get some uh, yeah. content from inside the stadium. I mean, listen, haven't been to a baseball game, you know what I mean? In over a year, it's gonna feel a little yeah, weird. Man. So back. excited to go Definitely though. So excited good. to see a game, man. I mean, I look, look, we said uh, too, the Texas Rangers had full capacity in front of their <laughs> fans today. Think about that. I saw something funny on Twitter today too. It's like think about the forty thousand people who are risking their lives going to a baseball game in a pandemic to see Steven Matz and Mike Fulton David's face. Well imagine you're a Rangers funny. fan and you spent money and risking I mean, can unless you have like the vaccine, I don't know. I don't know anything what's going on in Texas, but you're risking your life and your a lot of your money, I'm guessing, to see Steven Matz mow down your team. That has to be just gut-wrenching for a Texas Ranger fan. Yeah, I think what I mean. Yeah. Keep going, Cor. Nah, yeah, I just think it shows, man, 
how much sports, I mean, sports kind of is a distraction from life, but just, it's been the fact like sports was gone for a long time, then no fans. It's been a long time since full capacity has been in effect. And I could be, could be the, the Texas Rangers. It could be the Staten Island Yankees. I just think at this point, like the second they let full fans back in, I mean, you're going to get big crowds at first. I don't really, it doesn't really matter who's playing. But yeah, you would think Rangers' money line was kind of a move getting, getting 100% capacity at their game and then to get mowed down by former Met. Steven Matz, I mean, good to see the ball game, good to be back in a ballpark, but kind of depressing to be a Rangers fan on opening day. But, yeah, definitely good to be back in the ballpark. Good for the Long Island boy, <laughs> yeah. though. Matz had a tough uh, tough few years, so good for the Long Island kid to have a good yeah, start yeah, for listen, his new team. Steven Matz, yeah, one of, one of our homegrown guys on the island. Obviously, we said Marcus Stroman starting tomorrow, so good for them. Maybe he can keep up that Long Island success. But, listen, Steven Matz, hey. He is in Toronto, far from home, but he is with one of his other Long Island friends, Anthony Kay, in Toronto. So, Or, excuse yeah. me, now they're playing in Tampa Bay this year, technically. So maybe the Tampa Bay Jays this year can uh, no, put they're, together they're a real good No, they're playing in Buffalo. No, they're playing – I'm telling they're playing in what you want. They're playing in Tampa this year. They're not playing in Buffalo. Wait, we're what? Buffalo yeah, they were playing in Buffalo last year. I'm get, like, I don't know if it's for sure because it's too cold there, like – and they don't want to play there. But, yeah, they're playing in Tampa Bay for the first month of the year. Okay, or yeah. right outside wow. of Tampa Bay. Them and the Raptors. Crazy, yeah. And listen, wow. with all the Tampa Bay teams that have succeeded in the past year and a half, not a Dang. bad place to just randomly go play for a couple months if <laughs> you're the Toronto Blue Jays. So let's see if they can um, get anything going. But, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, guys, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm sure that we'll be on next week recapping this past week in baseball. Uh, be sure to enjoy. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Uh, enjoy the first full week of baseball. Take care. Have a good one.